the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, September the 2nd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Do you know that there's only 120 days left in the year, 2021? 120 days. Today on September 2nd, 1969, in what some regard as the birth of the Internet, Two connected computers at the University of California, Los Angeles, they passed test data through a 15-foot cable. We've come a long way since September 2nd, 1969, but that's when it all started. Today in 1666, the Great Fire of London broke out. Today in 1789, the United States Treasury Department was established. Today in 1864, during the Civil War, Union Uh, Union General William Sherman's forces occupied Atlanta. That was the goal, to march all the way through and destroy Atlanta. And they did. In fact, Atlanta is kind of known for not having many, if any, historical buildings. And the reason is because Sherman's forces destroyed all of the buildings, pretty much, in Atlanta in 1864. Today, in 1944, during World War II, Navy pilot, Lieutenant George Herbert Walker Bush, yes, that Bush, George W. Bush's father, former president, he was shot down by Japanese forces as he completed a bombing run over an island in the Pacific. Bush was rescued by the crew of a U.S. submarine. His two crew members died. Today, in 1945, Japan formally surrendered in ceremonies aboard the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. It ended World War II. I mentioned that yesterday because it was today in Japan. It was yesterday here. I know that's confusing, but there is an international dateline out there. I flew across that dateline a number of times when I was traveling in missionary work, and um I never quite adjusted to it. It always seemed odd that you would kind of lose a day in a split second. And then you're over 40, and you lose a day every now and then, and you don't even have to cross the international date line, don't you? I mean, I don't know about that, but maybe some of you do. Today in 1963, the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite was lengthened from 15 minutes to 30 minutes became the network television's first half-hour nightly newscast. Ten years ago today, in a re- dramatic reversal, President Barack Obama scrubbed a proposed clean air regulation. It was aimed at reducing smog and yielding to bitterly protesting businesses and congressional Republicans. They said, you can't do that. It'll kill jobs in America, and we're upside down in the economy anyway. So he didn't. Five years ago today, President Barack Obama, he departed for China on his final official trip to Asia, thankfully, because every 
trip he took abroad, he started whatever his remarks were, honestly, he did, by talking about America's failures, how bad we were, and how we have a long way to go, but we're recognizing how bad we are, and we're trying to fix it, and on and on and on he went. He apologized. He did it so much that even people in the news media who supported him begin to begin to call his trips abroad apology tours because that's what they were. The U.S. Supreme Court voted in the right way yesterday. They denied an emergency appeal filed by abortion providers in an attempt to block that Texas abortion bill that I've talked about a couple of times on this program. Yeah, they wanted to do away with it because it didn't advance the industry. It's a big industry, abortion. It's not just just a principle. It's a, it's an industry. It's a multi-million or billion dollar industry. So they were trying to stop what Texas has done. The bill signed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott back in May, it became effective uh, yesterday. And so they were trying to stop it. The new bill prohibits, prohibits women in the state of Texas from getting an abortion after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. That's about six months. I mean, six weeks excuse me, into the pregnancy. So that's early on. That's not abandoning completely abortion, but almost. And they know it, and they're feeling the pinch, thankfully. Taliban supporters in Afghanistan held a mock funeral yesterday for the United States and NATO. The coffins were covered with American, British, French, and NATO flags, just like we do when we bring our fallen soldiers home. They didn't have anyone standing by looking at their watch every time one of the caskets went by, as President Biden did at the real reception of the fallen soldiers from Afghanistan came to Dover the other day. I talked about that on this program. It was almost unbelievable. Every time a casket passed him, he glanced at his watch. And the whole world saw it, and they were wondering, what does he have to do that's more important than this at this moment? I don't know. They didn't do that, but they mocked America, <laughs> and they shouted that this was August 31st is our formal Freedom Day. On this day, American occupying forces fled the country. Members of the crowd fired guns into the air, formerly American guns, I would say, in celebration. Videos were made that went around the world showing Taliban members walking through the Kabul airport wearing U.S.-supplied fatigues, gleaming rifles. Others were trying out state-of-the-art night vision goggles, the best in the world, all U.S. military um, gear. And it showed pictures of them sizing up all those helicopters we left. We were told that those helicopters were all disabled. Uh, they weren't. Maybe one or two of them were, but of the 80-some or whatever that's left there, most of them are not. China's already uh, studying them to find out what our technology is. Al-Qaeda praised Allah for, I'm quoting them, humiliating and defeating America, the head of disbelief urging all Muslim extremists around the world to join the movement, follow the Taliban's example. The left calls this progress. President Biden called it an enormous success. He did. 
He said he's proud of the way that he handled the withdrawal. It's interesting how words matter. Words are often used. George Orwell is well known for his writing of the book 1984, which was sort of a prophetic book, really. I mean, what he talked about then as fantasy has become, unfortunately, reality in our lifetime. But Orwell said, political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. That's true. That's exactly what they do. Political progressives. Their words are designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that this morning, but did you hear President Trump was talking yesterday, last night? In fact, he told Tucker Carlson, among others, he's endorsing Republican congressional candidate Joe Kent over Republican Representative Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington. Yeah, the third district. I know some of you listen to this program in that district because we've heard from you. He's a retired, Joe Kent is a retired Green Beret, a gold star husband running against President Trump said rhino and incompetent Congressman Janie Herrera Butler in the third district of the state of Washington. Joe served his country proudly, Trump said, for many years and understands the tremendous cost of Americans' war in the Middle East and elsewhere. Well, he does because he is a retired Green Beret. Trump said, quote, in Congress, Joe will be a warrior for the American America First agenda, unlike Jamie Herrera Butler, who voted despite the facts against the Republican Party and for the Democrats' impeachment scam. That would have been against Trump himself. Joe Kent, he said, is strong on crime and the border, loves our military and our vets, and will protect our Second Amendment, which is under siege. He said, I met Joe at Dover Air Force Base on the evening his wife was brought back from the Middle East, where she'd been killed in combat. It was a very sad moment in Joe's life, but I was incredibly impressed with him and told him that he should someday run for office. We need his voice and leadership in Washington, D.C. Trump said now he's running and Joe Kent has my complete and total endorsement. Joe Kent is a guy that would be hard not to endorse. He is what Congress needs from my point of view. I'm not endorsing, nor do, nor do I endorse candidates on this program, but that's what Donald Trump said yesterday. Nancy Pelosi, for some reason, is refusing to read the names of the 13 service members who lost their lives in Afghanistan. She's pretending like the world doesn't even know that that happened. Kevin uh, McCarthy, the head Republican in the House, he's the minority leader, Uh, He would be Speaker of the House if three or four or five more Republicans would have been elected last election time to the House of Representatives. Hopefully that will change in the coming uh, election, midterm election. But Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, very respectfully asked her if she would allow him to read the names from the floor of the 13 members who lost their lives in Afghanistan. And she just very curtly said no, and she went on to the next point of business. So he brought it up again, and she wouldn't even answer him. She just went on with her other business, whatever that may be. 
she had no interest in the names of people who gave their lives in service to this country, albeit a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. She wouldn't even allow them to be recognized in the House of Representatives. Boy, I'll tell you. The Wall Street Journal says President Biden, in his defense of Afghanistan withdrawal, has been dishonest. Wall Street Journal. The president's been dishonest, defiant, and accusatory. Reuters News Service, it's an international news service. It's read around the world. It's not conservative in their leaning. But they reported yesterday that they have a leaked transcript and an audio recording of a call between President Joe Biden and then-Afghan President Ashraf Gandhi. He's the guy that fled, as you may know. We talked about that on this program. But they had this conversation about three weeks before Kabul fell. That reveals in the conversation that the Afghan president was telling President Biden that there's going to be an immediate Taliban invasion. And Biden was saying, no, 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 we've got to change the perception of the events in Kabul. Biden was asking him to lie. It's on tape. You can hear it. And there's a transcript. As you can imagine, the briefing this morning at the White House was very uncomfortable when a couple of reporters started asking this Jen Psaki, that press secretary, man, I'm glad I'm not married to her. She is so irritating. It's not that she's a lefty. I mean, she is. But aside from that, she is so irritating, so condescending, so elitist. Man, I'd hate to get up to that. I wouldn't even want to be a reporter that has to go in there and Anyway, yesterday, before the public knew about this phone call and about all this stuff that happened that she avoided, she wouldn't even respond to it, Rasmussen put out a poll. In fact, just after I got off the air yesterday, they found, this was before the public knew about this telephone call that I'm going to tell you a little bit more about, 52% of voters think Biden should resign, resign. Not just they disagree, they think he should resign. 52%. That's got to include some Democrats. He should resign because of the way he handled the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Dishonest, defiant, and accusatory. That's the way the Wall Street Journal editorial board defined it. Yeah, that. (laughs) after President Biden's speech on Tuesday... The editorial board at the Wall Street Journal wrote this. They said, American presidents must make hard decisions, and we're inclined to support them when they do, overseas, in the national interest of America. But President Biden's defiant, I'm quoting them, but President Biden's defiant accusatory defense on Tuesday of his Afghanistan withdrawal and its execution was so dishonest and so lacking in self-reflection or accountability that it was unworthy of the sacrifices Americans have made in that conflict. Pretty strong words. Biden defended the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, calling it an extraordinary success. (laughs) He said that a couple of times that I heard. He declared he believes he made wise decisions. 
Wall Street Journal editorial board disagrees. They say Biden either actually believes that his actions were appropriate or he's lying and he's shifting blame. Neither one, they say, is reassuring about Mr. Biden's character, his judgment, or most ominously, the long three and a half years left in his presidency. This new survey that I mentioned a moment ago, published yesterday by Rasmussen, found 52% of voters think Biden should resign over the way he handled this. A majority of Americans, however, do not believe that Vice President Harris is even qualified to be president or to replace Biden should he leave office. Just between you and me, should Biden and Harris no longer be in office? Do you know who would be president of the United States? Yeah, Nancy Pelosi. Yikes. I mean, you talk about, uh, man, let's don't even go there. She would be. If Biden was out because of his inability to function, and he's almost there, and she doesn't have the ability to lead this nation. I mean, she didn't have the ability to do her job. It's a whole backstory to that for another day, but it was her promiscuous ways that got her to where she was politically. Everybody knows that in California. I mean, that's not something that we discovered. She isn't capable of anything. I mean, she wouldn't couldn't get enough votes to stay in the primary election for presidency. She couldn't even stay in until she got to California where she lives. But should Biden and Harris no longer be in office? Nancy Pelosi would be president of the United States. Other than that, everything's going just great. In this phone call that I was talking about a moment ago, this Afghan president, Ghani, <clears throat> he was asked by President Biden. Some of our military people ask him as well. I'll get to that in a moment. But he was asked. In fact, there was kind of the pretty strong hint that he would get a reward if he would do it. I want to share some of it with you. This is from a leaked transcript and an audio recording that became known yesterday between Biden and then Afghan President Ghani. Reuters News, International News Service, not conservative. They're not Fox News, I can tell you. They obtained, well, Fox isn't that conservative anymore, but you know what I mean. Reuters obtained this leaked information, and they're reporting yesterday that, quote, in the last call between U.S. President Biden and his Afghan counterpart before the Taliban seized control of the country, the leaders discussed military aid, political strategy, and messaging tactics. Reuters says they will not tell who gave them that, but it has been verified that it is actually the president and his Afghan counterpart. Reuters says in the call, Biden offered aid if Gandhi would publicly project he had a plan to control the spiraling situation in Afghanistan, which he didn't have. In the phone call, President Biden tells Ghani, quote, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. End of quote. That's what he told Ghani. He said, I know you don't have a plan, 
and I know I'm telling the world that everything is just fine, it's under control, we're right on schedule, we'll be out by August 31st, and nobody will be left behind. But he's saying in this in this phone conversation, even if, if that isn't true, I want you to project the message that it is true, and that everything is under control, and that you have a plan to take over when we're gone, nobody should worry about it. That's what he was saying. That's the message he was putting across. That's what Orwell was talking about with using words. That's what they do. Crooked politicians do that. He told Ghani to protect, to project a different picture. He urged him to hold a press conference with Afghans' most prominent political figures backing his new military strategy, which he didn't have. And Biden knew he didn't have a strategy. The guy told Biden he didn't have a strategy. He said, they're coming. There's nothing I can do. Biden said, quote, that will change perception. And that will change an awfully lot, I think. U.S. military leaders, they also lied on on behalf of Biden. Later in the day of this same phone call, later in the day, another call was leaked to Reuters which showed National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, that guy you see on there a lot, he's, uh, <laughs> I don't know how he got, he, anyway, I, how he got to where he is, I don't know, but he is there. But anyway, he's this National Security Advisor. Jake, you would recognize him if, if you saw his face. He's chair, And then the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is Army General Mark Milley and U.S. Central Command uh, Commander Marine General Frank McKenzie, they also, in a phone call, they got on there and kind of ganged up on this Gonzi in, in Afghanistan. And they told him, they said, man, you you got to do this. I mean, they were putting the pressure on him. They said, you've got to change the perception of this war. Reuters says that, quote, Millie told Ghani, the perception in the United States, in Europe, and the media, that sort of thing is a narrative of Taliban momentum and a narrative of Taliban victory. And we need to collectively demonstrate and try to turn that perception, turn that narrative around. That's a quote. On the call, McKinsey added, quote, I do not believe time is our friend. We need to move very quickly. As of yesterday afternoon, a spokesman for McKinsey declined to comment. They wouldn't even say anything about it, about this story. A spokesman for Milley didn't even return the call. They didn't even decline. They just wouldn't return the call. This morning, Jen Psaki said she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't know. She said, "We, I don't want to talk about a private phone call that our president had with a foreign leader. The Wall Street Journal says about this whole event, it's the most dishonest, I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal, it's the most dishonest and dangerous was the president's assertion that the war in Afghanistan is now over. No one in the jihadist movement believes that. The Taliban have won a major victory in the long war that Islamic radicals are waging against the United States. They've secured Afghanistan for what is likely again to become a refuge for recruits for al-Qaeda and ISIS and the Haqqani network. Mark Twain once said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. I'm thinking that's kind of where we are now. What will it take for American Christians and self-identified conservatives who voted for Joe Biden to simply admit they made a mistake? Maybe they did so out of dislike or even hate for Trump. I hope it wasn't hate, but perhaps. 
What will it take to admit? I made a mistake, at the, not publicly, but just privately. This man, this administration, is not walking in any kind of relationship with God's word and the founding principles of this nation. This isn't a political talk. This is me from my heart as a pastor, pastor's heart talking about the principles of this nation. What will it take for us to say, wait a minute, no, Trump isn't perfect. Is he my kind of guy? No, not really. But he stood for my kind of principles, and he followed through on them. It wasn't just words. We have an administration now that claims to be the most religious ever in in our nation, and the press supports that idea that Joe Biden is the most devout and religious president in recent years in America, and yet he is standing, taking a stand against every principle, every godly principle upon which this nation was built, whether it is moral, as in marriage, the desecration of marriage, against the sanctity of life, wanting to expand abortion and doing so every opportunity he gets. That isn't Christian, and Christians shouldn't be supporting that kind of government. Forget what party they're in. It's the principle that matters. Some years ago, Thomas Martin was a manager at a jack-in-the-box restaurant in Oroville, California. He reported a robbery in which the crook took $307, just as the -the jack-in-the-box drive-through thing was closing. When he was questioned about it, the police brought in a police sketch artist. Jack Lee was his name. He detailed, took the description that this manager had given him. After Lee completed the sketch, he observed how much the drawing looked like Martin. This true story. When investigators noted that, they confronted Martin, the store manager, Jack in the Box, about it. And he said, yeah, I did it. He confessed the crime. The more the left describes what's wrong in this country, the more it looks like a mirror image of their own policies. But you know, I want to leave you with this. You know Fanny Crosby. She wrote so many hymns, between eight and 9,000 hymns. Some of the most famous hymns that are sung in churches or used to be sung in churches all across the world. Fanny Crosby was blind nearly her whole life. A dangerous poultice was applied to her eyes when she was six weeks old. It caused blindness. Even as a child, though, her writings told us that even though her story was sad, she was happy. When she was nine years old, she said, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind? I cannot, and I won't. She attended, later taught at a school for the blind. She married. She had a baby, but the baby died at birth. Her husband later would leave her, desert her, and leave her. She said once after she had been left alone, she lived modestly, lived alone, lived out her life, yet she wrote over between eight and 9,000 hymns. She said, I became a mother and knew a mother's love. God gave us a tender babe, but the angels came down and took our infant up to God and to his throne. What was her story? Sympathy? No, she said, don't waste sympathy on me. I'm, the, I'm quoting her, the happiest person alive, Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer. She told her story in a psalm that you know as blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. 
praising my Savior all the day long. Let's make that our story, but let's continue to be informed in what's going on in our world. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.